Hi, friends. Welcome to the Virtue Podcast. My name is Leah Case, and this week we are finishing the book of Malachi. This last section is all about hope, looking forward, and being ready for the Lord's return. And as we wrap up this series, we've seen that God's message for His people through Habakkuk, Haggai, and Malachi has been as relevant for us today as it was for God's people back then. Because times change, but human nature, not so much. We're creatures of habit, prone to wander, to borrow a line from an old hymn, prone to leave the God we love. And we may not do it intentionally or even notice it's happening, but God sees and graciously gets us back on course. Now, every summer for many years, our family and a group of friends would rent houseboats and spend a week on the lake together. We usually had four houseboats, sometimes five, and finding a cove that was big enough for us all, plus the ski boats and all the extra water toys, was quite a project. We'd find a spot and settle in for a few days, then we'd pull up stakes and move again. You know, keeping our houseboat tribe together was always a big production. You picture like the children of Israel traveling through the wilderness? Well, we were the Lake Shasta version. One year, I thought it would be fun to steer the houseboat. I mean, how hard can it be? It's basically just a floating box moving slowly through the water. So Ron showed me what to do. He said, just keep your eye on the course where you want to go and keep making minor adjustments along the way just to stay on course. So I thought, all right, I can do that. So I settled into the captain's chair, and I quickly discovered that piloting a houseboat is not as easy as it looks. For one thing, even minor adjustments make a big impact. A quarter-inch turn of the wheel isn't very perceptible right away, but in a few minutes, you're going to be 100 feet away from where you were. And then I got distracted, and the next thing I knew, the gap between our houseboat and all the others was getting wider by the minute. Now, they were all still on course together, but our houseboat was wandering away in a different direction. I needed to make a course correction and quick. Now that's what studying Habakkuk, Haggai, and Malachi has given us, the opportunity to consider our ways, listen to what God says, and do what's needed to stay alert and stay on course. And the title of this podcast is How to Keep Last Things First. Now, I heard someone say that reading the book of Malachi feels like we're eavesdropping on the end of a long family quarrel. God speaks to Israel through Malachi in the voice of a father who, after so many estrangements and reconciliations, has finally said, that's enough, not another word. And when Malachi delivered God's message to his people, instead of listening, they deflected the criticism and never let God's word penetrate their heart. And that was so different from the response we read about in Haggai. When God spoke to Israel through Haggai, he confronted their apathy, like a father who reminds them, you can't neglect doing the right thing just because it's difficult or inconvenient. And in that family conversation, they listened and they repented. But in Malachi, Israel argues like a surly teenager. What happened? When we go from reading Haggai to Malachi, we're picking up the story almost a hundred years later. It's a new generation, and a lot has happened in between. For context, let's review that part of the story. 
After Babylon was judged and brought down, just as God told Habakkuk it would be, Persia became the reigning empire and the exiles were free to return to Jerusalem if they wanted to. Well, the first group came back with Zerubbabel. Can you see it? 50,000 Jews making this grueling 900-mile trek. And when we say returned, but most of these people were born and raised in Babylon during the exile. They were pioneers, really, mostly young families looking to resettle and build a new community in the Promised Land. But talk about a lifestyle change. John Phillips, in his commentary, describes how they grew up surrounded by the arts and sciences and all the refinements of a sophisticated culture that valued wealth and human achievement. Well, none of that was waiting for them in the ruins of Jerusalem. But they had big dreams, and rebuilding the temple was first on their list. They managed to get the foundation laid, but hostile neighbors sent letters to the king making false accusations, and the rebuilding project was shut down. Well, they were discouraged, and that's understandable. But feeling discouraged is a vulnerable place to stay for very long, isn't it? There's a proverb that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And if we let discouragement fester in our heart, we won't be in a healthy place. And when a dream dies, we look for something to fill that spot. And for them, it was improving their own living conditions. Over time, they started to drift, neglecting God to pursue other things, but they never seemed to get ahead. And Haggai's message comes straight from the heart of God to his people. Remember what he said? Consider your ways. What are you pursuing, and how's that working out for you? It was a wake-up call from the Lord. And while they had been off doing their own thing, in God's grace, He was still pursuing them. Maybe that's a wake-up call for some of us. They listened and obeyed, which set them back on course with the Lord leading them, and life started going in the right direction again. The temple was rebuilt. Then Ezra brought more exiles with him. And he taught the next generation of God's people to worship and study the scriptures. Then God sent Nehemiah to rebuild the wall, and Israel was home again at last. But it didn't take long for the drift to set in, especially when signals and course corrections were blatantly ignored. We know that when Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem after being away for 13 years, he dealt with the same issues that Malachi was talking about. And let's just say that his course corrections were not minor. He got rid of corrupt priests. He even took one offender by the scruff of the neck and physically tossed him out of the temple. Malachi isn't mentioned in Ezra or Nehemiah, and we don't know if their paths ever crossed. But by the time God sent Malachi, Israel wasn't just drifting. Their moral and spiritual compass was broken. And God had finally said, that's enough. There's nothing more to say. Not for 400 years. What this family needs now is an intervention. Well, the intervention that we all needed is when Jesus came the first time to proclaim the gospel and redeem us through his perfect life and sacrificial death and his resurrection. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says that having been justified by faith, Now we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us access by faith into this grace that we stand in. 
So now we joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And this is how the gospel turns the day of the Lord from something fearful to a day of joy. Well, I think we all know by now that every one of these lessons has asked us at least once what we've learned about God's character. And this week, we were asked why it's important to acknowledge both God's love and His wrath. And as I thought about that, I started to realize that both are expressions of His righteous holiness, two sides of the same coin, so to speak. Wrath is God's righteous anger against everything that is evil, and love is God's righteous mercy and grace and compassion, and both will be poured out on the day of the Lord. We also read 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-11, and one of the questions in this section was, how can we stay alert and be clear-headed as we look forward to being ready for the Lord's return? Verse 6 says, Be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Okay, so let's wrap up this conversation with some pro tips from the prophets on how to keep last things first. Habakkuk. Well, Habakkuk tells us to stay focused and be faithful. Remember his nation was crumbling from within and he was struggling to understand what God was doing? And God's answer to him was, I know you don't understand what I'm doing, but trust me, I am doing a work. And even if it seems slow, it will surely happen. Well, that may not have been the answer Habakkuk wanted, but it lifted the weight of the world off his shoulders, which was never his to carry, and it shifted his focus back on God. Remember, he said, I will stand at my watchpost. We see so many things happening in our world that are troubling, and God never says, don't ask the hard questions. And for Habakkuk, in spite of the chaos, he stopped fretting about the outcomes he couldn't control. Instead, he chose to be faithful to the assignment that God had given him. Okay, how about Haggai? His pro tip for us, never let personal comfort be the deciding factor in obedience. And here's a heart check for us. When we pray, Lord, give me strength to obey, is that what we really mean? Or in our heart are we saying, Lord, make it easy so I can do it? Let's choose to obey God no matter what and trust Him to renew our strength. And now for Malachi's tip. Remember God's Word. Both of the letters that Peter wrote emphasize this theme over and over again. Remember, remember. Remember the end of all things is near, so be watchful and wise. You're protected by the power of God, so prepare your minds for action. Think clearly and fix your hope on Jesus. You know, we are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, like piloting that houseboat. So we need to fill our minds with the truth of God's Word, and then we'll know what course corrections need to be made. And remember this, that God is so patient. He waits on high to have compassion on us. Your ear will hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. That's Isaiah 30, 18. Friends, the song that has been running through my mind as I prepared for this podcast, you've heard it. There will be a day when all will bow before Him. There will be a day when death will be no more. 
standing face to face with he who died and rose again, holy, holy is the Lord. Let that fuel our passion to make every day count as we wait for that day.